0: Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's recording of Redeemer Church of Knoxville's Sunday Sermon. We're really glad to have you with us because we know that there are a million different podcasts that you could be listening to right now. So we're thankful that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us. We hope that this recording will be an encouragement to you and that God, by His Spirit, will use His Word to remind you of Jesus' love. If you would like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. To do that, please email us at office at redeemernoxville.org. We also want to give a quick thank you shout out to Evie Andrus and Parker Green, who you hear playing our awesome intro and outro music here each week. Lastly, if you'd like to support Redeemer and her mission to Urban and University Knoxville, please visit www.redeemernoxville.org and look for the little give button in the top right corner. Thank you so much. And here is this week's sermon. All right. Well, if you have a Bible and you would like to follow along with me, you can do so by turning to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 39 through uh, 45 this morning. You can follow along with me in your Pew Bible. If you brought your own copy of the scriptures, you can follow along there. It's in the bulletin, it's on the smartphone, on the interwebs, on the WWWs. You can follow it. You can find it wherever you want if you'd like to follow along. It's good to have you with us. My name is Sean Slade. I'm the pastor here, and we are so glad to have you with us this morning because we know that there are a million different things that you could be doing. For instance, you could be at home quarantined, uh, enjoying the Fortsy Fun Pack that some of you have been delivered from the church. Others of you could be at home watching all of those brand new Netflix Christmas original specials. Uh, Many of you, I'm sure, have been watching The Princess Switch Switched Again, which I hear is pretty amazing. No, maybe that was the first service. Um, Others of you could be at home all bundled up because baby... It's COVID outside, uh, but uh, you're not. Somebody up front liked it, which is great. Uh, But uh, there really is nothing better that you could do with your time this morning than uh, worship Jesus. There's nothing better you could do with your time than consider His claims upon your life and to think about the beauty and the kindness of His incarnation. So I really do want to thank you for joining us this morning. I do want to welcome you to Redeemer. What is Redeemer? Well, Redeemer is a church. And what that means is that we're a community of people who are trying to learn how to love God We're trying to learn how to love our neighbor. And fundamentally, what we believe is that Jesus is God, he's the Messiah, and he's entered into the world to die for our sins and to reveal the love of the Father. And so every week as his people, we gather together to worship him so that we might learn to rest in that love that God has for us in Christ. And as we rest in his love, we then become a people who love to get together and hang out with one another, spend time with one another, go to football games together, sit around a fire pit together, uh, read the Bible together, pray together, also so that we can remind each other of that great love that God has for us in Jesus. And so as we rest in His love, as we remind each other of His love, we then become a people who love to get together with one another in service so that together. We might reflect the love of God to our family, to our friends, and to our neighbors who are here in Urban University in Knoxville, and hopefully in some way it would spill out into the entire world, right? That's who we are, the people who are trying to learn how to love God, trying to learn how to love our neighbor as we rest, as we remind And as we reflect, and so to help us do that during this Advent season, we've begun this new series uh, entitled Repeat the Sounding Joy, Songs of Preparation from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And if you were with us last week, Josh helped us learn to sing about the hope that is ours in Jesus. And this week, what I hope that we'll do is learn to sing of the joy that we have in Jesus. All right. So with that in mind, let's look together, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through uh, 45. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Would you pray with me now for the teaching? Heavenly Father, we are thankful uh, for this, your word, that you uh, are a God who delights and rejoices to make yourself known. And it is our prayer that you would attend to us now. There are some of us here who are frustrated and angry and feel distant. And there are some of us here who are filled with great joy and longing and rejoicing to hear from you. And we pray that for both of us, for all of us, your spirit would attend unto us, that we might uh, begin more and more to be filled with joy. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure that many of you have seen uh, the uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And if you've seen it, I'm sure you remember the way it begins, and it begins, and the snow is sort of falling, and the children are skating on the frozen pond, and as they're skating, the the beautiful piano music begins to play, and the chorus of children begin to sing, and they sing, Christmas time is here, right? Happiness and cheer, fun uh, for all the children call their favorite time of year. I lost it, I'm sorry, but that's okay. And it wasn't really beautiful, but you understand that the song was a beautiful song. And it's meant to sort of harken back, right, to that yuletide fun of playing with friends and being with family and finding joy in the midst of the cold of winter. And, you know, as we enter into this Advent season, it seems to me that this is a year that many of us are longing to find that joy once again. It's been interesting to me to watch uh, as Christmas commercials have have come on much earlier than in the past. It's it's interesting to watch in my neighborhood, the Christmas decorations have gone up much earlier than in the past. If you watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you'll remember that it was uh, less of a Thanksgiving Day Parade and more of a Christmas Parade. And it seems to me that the darkness of 2020 has made many of us reach and grasp and long for Christmas in new ways. Uh, you know, to long for Christmas, hoping that the lights and the trees and the bows will bring us joy in the midst of an uncertain economy, in the midst of COVID confusion, in the midst of the enmity of the election. And just sort of that general malaise and anxiety and fear that have dominated so much of this year. And Elizabeth's song is a a song that is intended to sort of push all that stuff away and to help us focus on this great gift of joy that comes from God. The song begins, right, verse 42, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And what Elizabeth is wanting to do is she's wanting to focus our attention on the gift of this child, that our joy really is rooted not in nostalgia, our joy is rooted not in getting your entire Christmas list. Our joy is not rooted even in the warmth of a fire in the backyard, as great as those things are. The point and the purpose of her song are to focus us and to help us to see that joy is the gift of God. Joy is the gift of God. Would you say that with me? Joy is the gift of God. And as you read this passage, it's just filled with joy. I want you to think about it. As soon as we begin reading, God is doing the impossible. We have a barren woman and we have a virgin girl who are with child. And God has come to both of them and he has revealed to them that he is at work and he's doing beautiful, bold things, things that will bring joy, things that will bring healing to this world. If you remember last week, Gabriel came to Mary and he said, Mary, you are going to bear the long-awaited son of David, the long-awaited son of God, the long-expected Messiah is in your womb. And he will be a blessing to all the world. And Mary's like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, I'm a virgin, how can this be? And the angel says something really amazing. The angel says... Um, the Holy Spirit will do this. The Holy Spirit will do this. And what I want you to see is that the healing and the blessing and the salvation of this world is actually the work of God. And it is by God's grace that He then invites us to participate in it with Him. Mary is given the distinct privilege of right, of bearing the Redeemer. Elizabeth is given the distinct privilege of giving birth to the forerunner of our Redeemer. And what's really amazing is that through the supernatural, impossible ways of the births of these children, it is a sign to us from God that salvation is from Him and that our God can do the impossible. Right? These births are just a reminder to us that nothing is impossible with God. And I love this, right? Nothing is impossible with Him. Nothing is impossible with Him. From the private longings of a husband and a wife for a child, Zechariah and Elizabeth, longing to be with child. To the public longings of God for the healing of the world. For the salvation of all that he has created. And what this is telling us in this song is that there's nothing impossible with him. And it tells us that God knows all of our needs. God knows all of our longings. He knows all of our sorrows, he knows all of our fears, he knows all of our failures. He knows those impossible dreams that each and every one of us have. He knows sort of the brokenness and the darkness of our lives and the brokenness and the darkness of our systems and the brokenness and darkness of our politics and of our culture and of our marriages and of our health and of our economy, even the difficulties of the job search. He knows that we are in need in heal, of healing, and he knows that we are in need of forgiveness. And these children, right, John the Baptist and Jesus, their supernatural, impossible ways of their uh, being born, tell us that there is nothing impossible with God. And I think that one of the reasons that we tend to sort of push away the joy of Christmas is because we don't really believe that God can do the impossible. As secular people, we really just sort of believe that all that is, is all there will ever be. As secular people, we we sort of believe that that which is broken will always remain broken. As humanists, we believe that the impossible can only be done if we do it ourselves. And I think that this is one of the reasons why our culture is filled with so much anxiety and so much anger, because we really believe that in order to receive the utopian dreams and the impossible dreams that we all have, it is up to us to do it. It is up to us to fix the world, and to fix the world, we've got to get everything right. We've got to get our relationships right. We've got to get the COVID right. We've got to get the economy right. We've got to get the politics right. We've got to get the history right. And we think that if, in order for those impossible utopian dreams to come about, we've got to be smart enough. We've got to be powerful enough. We've got to be nice enough. We've got to be dedicated enough. We've got to be rich enough. And if you're like me with all these impossible dreams, like you find yourself at home right, sitting around the Advent wreath or sitting in the dark by the fire, just screaming out into the silence, somebody fix this. Like, somebody fix this. I can't do it. Can somebody make it right? And the reality is, if it was up to me, the way I would fix it, you wouldn't like it. And I'll just tell you, I won't like the way you fix it either. Like, and... We tell each other, you know, just be the change that you want to see. And is it not true that many of us don't even know the change we want to see? We just want it to change, whatever it is. And is it not true that many of us have a vision of the things we want to see, but we have no power to be it? We have no strength to be it. We're afraid to be it. And then Christmas kind of comes around every year, and we talk about these great big kind of ideas, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. And the reality is that just like last year, we see very little peace on earth, we see very little goodwill towards man, and I see very little peace in my own heart, and I see very little goodwill towards man in my own heart. And so we find ourselves, maybe the Christmas carol that we sing more uh, during this season is uh, from Hamilton, uh, quiet uptown, right? We push away what we can never understand, we push away the unimaginable. Is it not true that we push away the unimaginable? It's so easy for us to enter into this season, enter into the Advent season, and just become more and more cynical, seeing through all the light, seeing through all the candles, seeing through all the wrappings and all the trees and all the songs. And Elizabeth's song is really this great, beautiful song of joy because what it's trying to do is strip all those things away to show us where true joy is found. It's this song that's inviting us to stop looking into ourselves, to stop yelling at one another and to receive the God, verse 37, for whom nothing will be impossible. To receive the God for whom nothing will be impossible. Here's the point. There can be joy in our lives because God exists. There can be joy because of God You see, joy is the gift of God, right? Joy is the gift of God. Would you say that with me? Joy is the gift of God. And that's what we see happening in the womb of Elizabeth. Notice verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And notice verse 44. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And I love this, right, because uh, as Mary comes into this space with Elizabeth and Mary greets her, she begins to speak, the baby responds with this joy because the Savior has drawn near in the womb of Mary. And I think it's really amazing because joy is now filling this child who is in utero. Joy fills this child before it's ever been born, before he ever achieves anything, before he ever performs anything, before he does anything good or bad, before he ever has the opportunity and the privilege to ride on a horse, before he ever has the privilege of listening to the new BTS song Dynamite, right? There is joy in this child. There is joy in him because of the presence of God. And I think the Holy Spirit is inviting us to ask ourselves this question. Is there anything about christianity is there anything about god that makes your heart leap is there anything that would make presbyterians get up and sing is there anything and what i love about this passage is that a child in utero is responding to the presence of god with joy because god is near And I think that this is a challenge to us because is it not true that so often as we grow up, our joy begins to fade? The older we get, the harder it is to stir up joy within us. Let me think back to when you were a child and watching a sunset or a sunrise sitting on the lap of your mom or dad. How much fun was that? I mean, think, about, think, think back to the joy and the silliness of playing with roly-polies in the dirt. There's nothing better. I mean, think about the joy of listening to a donkey make whatever noise it is that a donkey makes. I mean, that thing is hilarious. Or think about the excitement that a child feels in splashing in puddles in the middle of a rainstorm. Or think about the joy of just the cool grass on your bare feet in the spring. And yet, for some reason, as we age, it is just harder and harder to stir up our calloused hearts. And yet, common wisdom, common uh, thought would be that the older we get, the more we understand. But maybe the older we get, just the more calloused we are. <laughs> Maybe the older we get, the more we've been hurt. And maybe the more we've been hurt, the more we close ourselves off to joy. And probably, if we're honest, every other emotion. <laughs> because we're so afraid of being hurt once again. And maybe the reality is that this child in utero understands reality better than most of us do. And maybe this is why uh, Jesus said over and over again, let the little children come to me. And maybe this is why Jesus, when he described his kingdom, said his kingdom is like that of a child. Why? Because children just receive. And they just enjoy the good gifts that he gives. Children just enjoy being in the presence of another one. They love the confidence that comes from being with others. And they love the excitement of the surprises that might happen. And Advent is a season uh, and an invitation for us to see life in this way once again that God really can do the impossible. And that all of life is a gift from him. And the promise of Advent is that when God comes, he will heal all of those wounds that we have accumulated. Because the son who has come will lead us into the presence of the father. See, joy is the gift of God. (laughs) Joy is the gift of God. Would you say that with me? Joy is the gift of God. I want you to notice then in verse 41, John leaped in the womb and then the Holy Spirit reveals the significance of the baby's joy. And Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And what I want you to see here is that there is joy because God delights to bless. And blessedness has this connotation of happiness. It has this connotation of joyfulness, of favor and of honor. And blessing in the Bible is always contrasted with deserving or earning. To be blessed is to be gifted, is to be gifted. And it's this gift of God that actually brings us joy. It's the the secret of joy to the Christian that we receive the blessedness of God. I mean, think about it. Elizabeth says, blessedness rests upon you, Mary. And that's the secret of joy. That God's favor has come to us in Christ Jesus. And this idea of blessedness is really a state of being with God. That this state of blessedness is that we are known by Him. We are loved by Him. We are accepted by Him. We are favored by Him. And to be in this state of blessedness means that no matter what is happening in your life, and no matter what isn't happening in your life, regardless of the honor that the world bestows upon you, And regardless of the shame that the world heaps upon you, God's favor remains and rests upon you. And there's something incredibly powerful in this because no matter how hard things become, you can rest and rejoice in the fact that you are known and loved by God and nothing can take that away from you. How often do people say, if your spouse is with you, you can do anything? How often do we say about children if their parents are behind them they can achieve great things? How much more with God? How much more with God? If if God is for you, who can be against you? And I think this is huge because um, we can lose a lot of things. We can lose our health. We can lose our money. We can lose our reputations, we can lose our jobs, we can lose our comfort, we can lose our marriage, we can lose our friends, we can lose our children. But the blessedness of God tells us nothing can separate us from his love. Blessedness is a state of being with God, and it is a gift from him to be received with great joy. And notice Elizabeth's response when Mary and the child come, verse 42 why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I mean, Elizabeth is amazed. She's in awe. She is honored, right, that God would visit her. Like the children over in the children's hospital when Beyonce comes to visit or when Justin Bieber comes and sings mistletoe to them in the cancer ward. Like, Why would he come visit me? And I think uh, that one of the things that tends to steal our joy is that we tend to think that God owes us. It's God's job to make us happy. It's God's job to make our lives easy. It's God's job to give us what we want. And when He doesn't give us what we want, are we not angry? Are we not angry? And what does that reveal about us? We want stuff, not Him. And Elizabeth says, true joy is found in this gift of God coming to us. Elizabeth's song is this reminder to us that everything is a gift of grace. I mean, what she says is, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Who am I that God would visit with me? I mean, that's the first stanza of Christianity. Right? God made everything. Who am I? that he would visit with me. And if you think about Elizabeth and John and Mary, at the time they were nobodies. They were nobodies. And yet God in his kindness drew near to them, he visited with them so that he might fill them with joy so that they then might make his kingdom known. And now what's amazing is we all know their names. I don't know anyone else's name from that era. I know Elizabeth. I know Mary. I know John the Baptist. They're in the Hall of Fame, and they're in the Hall of Fame because God delighted to draw near to them. And by drawing near to them, we now have the privilege and the joy of knowing the presence of God in Christ Jesus by His Holy Spirit. And what I want you to see here is that joy is the gift of God. Joy is the gift of God. Would you say that with me? Joy is the gift of God. And lastly, I want you to notice verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And what we see in this verse is that joy, blessing, they are experienced before ever receiving. Mary and Elizabeth had said, these are the things that are true. These are the things that I am doing. This is who your children will be. And they believed and they were blessed. They believed, right? Like Mary believed God when he said, your son is the son of God. Mary believed God when he said, Your son is the son of David. Your son is that long-waited-for Messiah. And having heard God's word and having taken him at his word, that gave her joy to face the ridicule of claiming to all her neighbors that she was still a virgin. It gave her courage to face the uncertainty of this world that was in front of her. And if you keep reading in Luke, you get to Luke chapter 2, and Simeon tells us that, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And what Simeon was saying is this child that's in your womb, this child that you've just given birth to, that child is going to cause a lot of conflict. People are going to reject him. People are going to kill him. And that is going to pierce your soul. And what is it that gave her joy to face the sorrow and the suffering of this world? What is it that gave her joy and confidence and courage to watch as her son was rejected and crucified and died? It was that God had promised. And again, uh, this verse of the song is an invitation for us to believe that God will do what he says he will do. In the same way that Eve believed that her seed uh, would crush the head of the serpent. In the same way that Abraham believed that his seed, his offspring, would be a blessing to the nations. God credited his faith as righteousness. In the same way that David believed God's promise that his son would be the king who would rule in peace forever. Mary believes God's word, takes him at his word, and she believes that her son is the fulfillment of all those promises. That her son is that seed who would crush the head of the serpent. That her son is the son through whom all the nations will be blessed. That her son is the son who will be the king who sits on the throne and rules forever and now through this song, we're invited to believe that God will do these things as well. That he will fulfill what he says he would do. And if you think about Jesus, what, is, what are some things Jesus said about himself? Jesus said that he would be rejected and handed over and die for the sins of his brothers and sisters. And then he would rise again on the third day. He would ascend into heaven where he would rule and reign over all things and from there he would pour out his spirit upon us so that we might recognize him as king and savior and that he would come again on the last day to judge the living and the dead and in doing so he would right all wrongs, he would dry our tears and he would then welcome us into the joy of the presence of the father. These are the promises of God and we are blessed in believing them. And so here's the point. Uh, joy is the gift of God joy is the gift of God would you say that with me joy is the gift of God and that's what this table is all about this table that is set before us is a gift from God intended to fill us with great joy And as we come to this table, we see in the bread and the wine the reminder that God has come for us in Jesus and that when he came for us, he died for us. And because he died for us, our sins are forgiven. And as we eat and as we drink, we're reminded of his great promise that he will come again. And when he comes again, he will heal all of our wounds. He will allow us to know the joy of his presence and his kindness as he writes all wrongs, drying our tears and putting an end to death. This table is that great reminder to us that joy is the gift of God. Joy is the gift of God. Would you say that one last time with me? Joy is the gift of God. Therefore, I invite you to rise and to lift up your hearts.